Sometime between 7 p.m. on Saturday, March 8, 2008, and 6 a.m. Sunday, March 9, 2008, Gary W. Redner is found brutally beaten to death in the driveway of his neighbor's home. Unfortunately, the last time he was seen was less than a quarter mile from his home at a pub that he frequented. You're listening to the Mysterious Bruce podcast, and tonight we bring you the case of Who Killed Gary Redner? The supermarket executive's beaten body was found near his home outside Reading in March 2008. He was at Ganley's, he left, came home, and he was found in the neighbor's driveway. For seven and a half years, the case has haunted the state police Reading barracks. Is this officially a cold case? No, I don't think it's cold at all. I believe when we get opportunities, we get tips, we get phone calls. We follow right up on him. This doesn't get put on the back burner. Investigators say tips have taken them to several states, but no arrests. How could you do this? And along with the family's pain come the pleas. That minute tip that you think isn't worth anything, that may be the tip that opens the whole thing up. And there is a promise from his friend. I wish you were here, but we are, God willing, we are working hard to solve this. Welcome to a deep, dark, Dank, moist basement. One of us is sweating his ass off, and the other one is under the air conditioning. We're going to welcome in this evening Mr. Ed from Cigar Store Idiots Podcast. Coach is feeling a little under the weather, so Ed's going to pinch hit for us. So, Ed, I hear we're having a little uh, air conditioning problems over at your your place. Man, we sure are. And I'm going to tell you something. With an eight-month pregnant woman in here, it's a very volatile household. I'm hiding down here in the office. You don't even know I'm down here, and I'm not telling her. <laughs> Trying to get a Hellcat in a bunny sack. <laughs> oh, I'm telling you, man. It's uh, It's been something else. I didn't think air conditioning test a relationship. <laughs> yeah, we uh, we start. It will, buddy, because I, like I was telling you off air, we had our son, and uh, he was born in October. So I know your pain. I mean. I froze to death during that summer before. She was miserable. <laughs> but uh, we uh, we started back to school, and so I've got some uh, some freshmen that I was teaching today. And I said, what's one invention you couldn't live with? You know, of course, you know, that my PlayStation, my Xbox, my phone, my TikTok, my computer. And I was like, I'm going to tell you something. You living in Georgia. One th- invention you can't live without in Georgia is an AC. And they were That's all right. like, oh, yeah, he's got a point because uh, – it's miserable outside. That's why I'm inside. <laughs> oh, yeah. I tell you, you can't walk outside. And you, you walk outside of your car, you're drenched. Yeah, you're right. And God forbid you take a shower, try to get dressed fast, and then you're sweating, and then you get outside and keep sweating. You're like, well, why did I even shower? Yeah, exactly. But uh, for those of you that are members of our Patreon Bruce crew, uh, Heater got on there this morning. I actually may have been last night because I dropped. Dropped it a little early for the, our, our patrons. That's what you get if you become a patron, boys and girls. You get the episodes a little early. But uh, <laughs> I, I dropped it last night. We have had resounding success on this episode. I have gotten nothing but praises from our patrons. Uh, I've yet to put it up on our socials. That's just because I've been too busy. But it'll be up on our socials. By the time you hear this, you will see the picture of the old Talbot Tavern. And I'm going to tell you, um, what was it within about? We did that podcast, what was it, three or four days you texted me? Yeah. 
And in three or four days, poor uh, poor Heater was he like well, he, he said down. he uh, he remembers going to a birthday party, and ten days later, he remembers a bad acid trip. <laughs> Yeah. So how crazy is that? I know he said that he uh, in one of his Facebook posts he said that he was arguing with people because they his dream was so vivid of him being in the hospital and having conversations, and they're like, yeah. dude, it didn't happen. Yeah, it is. It's crazy, man. It's crazy. It so. is, man. Yeah, he went down quick and didn't remember the three days leading up to before he got to the hospital either. No, it was like he said it was like somebody flipped the switch. So that's crazy, man. It is crazy, but I'm glad, you know, we were all, it was touch and go there. Like this, yeah, about, this about this time last week, you know, we were all sitting around the scar store idiots and, uh, we were, we were worried about old heater. And like he said, though, it was, he couldn't say thank you enough, but they're up there. He's, he said they're running around him. They're having flash floods. He's, they've lost 28 to 32 people. Yeah. So yeah, he he was telling me it hit the eastern side of Kentucky, which is more the Appalachian side, which is more lower income place. He said, "I mean, these people's losing everything." Yeah, it's uh, any of those counties. If y'all watch Justified, Harlan County, it's a poor county, and so just multiply it up the eastern side of Kentucky. Uh, there's yeah. some old bluegrass songs that says the sun don't come up till ten in the morning and sets at three in the afternoon because the mountains are so high. Lots of places where if that little we get a little downpour and it don't move, it's gonna flood quick. So, so our prayers and thoughts are out there with all the people in Kentucky. Our prayers and thoughts are with Heater. But let's get after it, man. Let's do it. We're gonna talk about Gary Redner. This is a listener request, probably on the the list. It's probably number ten or twelve. We don't go in any order. I just list them. Somebody gave us a lovely one. Uh, from Germany. Do you know how hard it is to translate an entire website in, from German to English? Oh, I could uh, I couldn't even begin. I've just written out some of those addresses over there, Strasse Eight and all that shit. It's man, that's something else. I pulled up. They were like on the Reddit thread. I was looking at this case, and we're, and we're going to do it eventually. But uh, I was looking at the th- Reddit thread, and there's like, click this for the newspaper link, and I did it come up all in German. I'm like, well, I don't even know if they're telling me if the weather's today or if the page is defunct. <laughs> <laughs> it does. It looks like computer language. <laughs> but anyway, so Gary Redner is one of two sons of a man that on March 1st, 1970, in Berks County, Pennsylvania, welcomed a new supermarket chain consisting of just two stores at the time. It was two IGAs. They were Redner's Tiger Markets IGA in Wyoming, Pennsylvania, and another one in Red Hill, Pennsylvania. Now, Earl Redner is Gary's dad, and he is the patriarch of the family, and he started Redner's Supermarkets. Uh, He had taken his wife's advice and used their savings to start a small business and left D.C. And as he was getting off the plane in Pennsylvania to start looking for property, he fell and broke his right wrist. Some would say that was a bad omen. Earl would say it was not. Now, Earl was new to the wild missing area, and like I said, he relocated from Washington, D.C., and he didn't know anybody and would actually sleep most nights in the back of the wild missing IGA store. Oh, wow. 
So we fast forward 40 years, and we're in February of 2010, and Gary Redner is well known. So is his father, Earl. They are not only known in Berks County, Pennsylvania, but all of southeastern Pennsylvania, Delaware, and Maryland. Those original two stores spawned 39 warehouse supermarkets, which sounds like they're similar to a bulk. Food. Yeah. <laughs> they're a bulk, like a, almost like a Walmart competitor. So they, it's a bulk. They can buy in bulk, sell cheaper, th- cheaper items. So 39 warehouse markets, 13 quick shop markets, and they employed 4,100 people just in 40 years. So I would wow. say it was not a bad omen for old Earl to yeah. get off that plane. Yeah. But Earl would retire in 1989 and pass the company to his family. In 2010, Earl's oldest son, Richard Redner, would be the CEO. Ryan S. Redner, which was Richard's son, would be the chief operating officer. Earl's grandson, Gary M. Redner, was executive vice president of procurement. Now, the rise of being one of the largest chains came at a very high cost for the Redner family. All within the year 2008, Earl would lose his brother, Frank, his wife, Mary, and his son, Gary W. Redner. And that's Gary M.'s dad. And that's the basis of our story is we're going to concentrate on this wild story of what happened to Gary Redner. At the time in 2008, Gary was executive vice president of wholesale operations and had worked for the company for 38 years. He was born on December 31st, 1952 in Queens, New York. And Gary was described as a loving father of his son, Gary M and his daughter, Casey. He enjoyed spending time with his family and his dog, Tucker. Gotta like the dog named Tucker, man. <laughs> Gary also enjoyed playing the drums. Now, when I first read this, I they just kind of, it's just one sentence, and it was like a blurb, and I'm like, whoa, wait a minute. Let me back up and read that again. It's like he did all this shit at once. He played with the dog while doing drums. <laughs> yeah, and then they, then, then they dropped the uh, bomb that not only did he play the drums, he started at age 10, and he played backup for Bruce Springsteen. That is incredible. And he had basically kept up his end of the deal with vice president of operations and would play for Springsteen around the country, come fly home, take care of his business, go back on tour with Springsteen. He did it all the way up, they said, to 2006. Holy cow. Took two years this off. This guy was a renaissance man. Yeah. Took two years off and started, they said he would slip down to – um Pittsburgh, not Pittsburgh, but around there. He was he would get down to Philadelphia, Pittsburgh, those two areas, and he would go in and he would play some uh some clubs and stuff. And so you're right, man. He he did it all. I mean, held down, yeah. helped the family out, had two two kids that were obviously did well for themselves. There was not a whole lot out there about his divorce from his first wife, and she survived him. So I don't think, you know how if there's anything that's going to come out, it'll come out when you pass away. <laughs> yep. Yep. But I couldn't find anything credible. Now, we'll get into some things at the end that may uh, be a little less credible, but I don't 
I don't, yeah. I really don't think that there was anything out there. I think it's probably just one of those things where either they drifted apart or they just decided it wasn't going to work. Yeah. I didn't find anything really that points to a reason. No, this is like all. an anomaly. Mm. It's, it's, yeah. it's crazy, man. So sometime between 7 p.m. on Saturday, March 8th, 2008 and 6 a.m. on Sunday, March 9th, 2008, Gary was found dead at his lower Heidelberg Township home, according to Lieutenant Thomas McDaniel, who was then head of the Criminal Investigation Unit at the Pennsylvania State Police in Reading, PA. Gary was 55 at the time and had lived alone. He lived on a, you can Google map it, it's uh it's kind of a rural little place. I mean, I would equate it to close to where you live. I mean, you know, yeah. the place, and we'll get into what it's called, but, I mean, it's kind of, you know, kind of out in the country. But yeah. um, at the time that he was found, there were no details released, and Lieutenant McDaniel was keeping all of the details that he knew about close to the vest. The daddy, Earl... Would state to the local news outlets, quote, my son was extremely popular. If he had an enemy, I don't know who he was. He was probably the most popular person in the company, and that includes me, end quote. Wow. So for your dad to say that, I mean, you know, and I know you're going to yeah. get you, you're a little biased talking about your kids, and then especially no parent should ever have to bury a child, especially right. under these circumstances. Yeah. But Earl would go on to say in that, uh, newspaper that he had last spoke to Gary on that Saturday uh, from Charleston, South Carolina, where Earl was living part-time. Now, looking for information about this case, and I had kind of sent this to Ed, There, it's hard to find things out there, man. This is not... It really is. If you don't live in the Northeast around this area, there is nothing out there. There's a couple of Reddit threads that kind of regurgitate the same thing. Yeah. Um, but you know, this was, this was a hard, hard case to research. What I wound up doing, and I will give all the credit to Brain Scratch on YouTube. He's got about a 40-minute video titled Who Killed Gary Redner, and that's Lorden Arts, or L.A. is what he goes to on the boards. But if it hadn't been for his video and his attention to detail, because he lists, and I commend him for doing this, he lists every site he gets information from. So you know it's verified. So he's not telling you anything that is conjecture. Yeah. And so if he hadn't have hyperlinked all of those newspaper articles, I I would have had to like send the the uh, listener that sent this request in and be like, I would love to do it, but I just can't find anything. Yeah. There's and the only thing you really find anything Google is, is just about the reward for anybody bringing information. Yeah, it's crazy. That's all it really brings up. Or of an anniversary. I kept getting it's the ten year anniversary newspaper article or the six year anniversary, but it's nothing. Yeah. There's nothing, man. Nothing. So, and I don't know why this wasn't put out more. I don't either. It's a very interesting case. It is. What I could find, there did not seem to be anything in Gary's life that would lead you to believe that he was tied to anything nefarious or had any problems. No. It, you know, there was no, nothing has come out. Since 2008, that would lead you to believe that he was stepping out. Well, he wasn't stepping out. Somebody He was dating somebody that was stepping out. Uh, he was yeah. into drugs or gambling or debt or, you know, he was an asshole and his employees wanted to kill him. I mean, there's yeah. just nothing out there, man. 
There was literally nothing. The only thing that I um, even ran across was, and and this is not even, there's no validity to it. It just said that they think, uh, and it was an opinion. I think he had a, is what I, I found with somebody just said, I have, I think he had a gambling debt. And it's like, well, there's no evidence he had a gambling problem. Right. And we've said it many a times on cases that we've done. Yeah, you know, in the movies, those gamblers, they uh, are the the bookies. You know, you get in upside down, they'll they're gonna take some digits off or something like break some kneecaps. Yeah. But you're you're making them money. They've got That's right. you, you yeah. got. Why would I kill you? It's like a well, he was killed by his drug dealer. Why am I gonna kill somebody that's buying something from me? Exactly. Exactly. So, just like you said, I don't put a whole lot of stock in the the gambling debt, especially since you know we're going on what almost fifteen years. It'll be fifteen years this February, uh, or this actually this March, that this case has remained unsolved. And you would think within that time somebody would have come forward. But so, with all of that said, on March thirteenth of two thousand eight, the Pen Live. Patriot newspaper would lead with the headline that Gary was found beaten to death outside a neighbor's house in the 400 block of Rebers Bridge Road of Lower Heidelberg Township on Sunday, March 9th. More specifically, he was found in his neighbor's driveway. He had last been seen around 7 p.m. at Ganley's Pub in Delhi, which is located less than a quarter of a mile from his house. Literally, it's like a slow, if you get on Google Maps and you, I, you know, pause it, pop out your phone, go over there, hit Google Maps, pull up 400 block Rebers Bridge Road, R-E-B-E-R, apostrophe S, in Pennsylvania. And you can see, and then put in the Ganley's Pub, they're a quarter mile, but it's, I've known drunks walk farther. Hell, George Jones drove his, yeah. his lawnmower down the street to get some more beer. I mean. <laughs> <laughs> so this seems kind of like this was his kind of stomping ground you know it's less than a quarter of a mile it's a place he can go grab something to eat have a drink and he's leaving by seven so he's not you know he's 55 hell he's only what seven years older than i am at the time i mean i know i hurt them yellow jackets i used to not be uh, allergic to i'm allergic to now but (laughs) (laughs) Uh, yeah, he wasn't. This guy was not a binging anything. He wasn't getting fucked up and hitting shit on the way home. He just a businessman had a drink or two and took himself home. And the thing is, responsible. Yeah, and the thing that I saw from everything I read, he didn't leave with anybody. He didn't have a lady on his arm. Yeah. When nobody making eyes at him, when nobody got pissed off at him and bumped into him. I mean, basically, yeah. I think he was here around seven. That's probably what the bartender said. So, again, that newspaper article, Lieutenant McDaniel would state that the investigators are not aware of any trouble at the pub before Gary left. Again, investigators are not letting details out. I mean, it's eerie how small these things are. And, you know, Lieutenant McDaniel, it may be standard operating procedure, but he's doing a good job of not slipping up in the papers and saying anything he shouldn't. The next day, on March 14th, in the Daily News of Lebanon, Pennsylvania, it is stated that police believe, quote, the individual or individuals involved in the murder of Gary Redner may have suffered injuries consistent with a fight or an assault. 
Police are asking the public to report any information about anyone who, quote, may have unexplained wounds or bloody clothing, and added the person or persons, quote, may have sought medical treatment for injuries suffered during this assault. So they think Gary fucked him up before they got him. <laughs> That's exactly the way I read that. <laughs> yeah. That he didn't go down without a fight. That's right. That's what it seems like. From everything I've read, they're pretty they're pretty sure it's like, no, nah, whoever did this took a, took one too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> now this would lead you to believe that as early as five days after the murder, police knew or they had someone else's blood evidence at the crime scene. Because if they're in the oh. if they're in the public eye saying, Hey, we think these people are are responsible for a beating death but they're going to be cut up and they would have had to get medical attention. Well, if you're getting medical attention, you're leaving DNA everywhere. Yeah. So, you know, there's a lot of things that you can kind of hypothesize about behind the scenes. But again, mom's the word, man, when it comes to the Pennsylvania state police on this case, there's no evidence. There is no leakage. This thing's better than a damn conspiracy theory that I've ever read into. It's insane. There's just no rhyme, reason. It, it baffles me. It is, man. It's one of the oddest cases that we've done and that I've researched. So on the one-year anniversary of Gary's murder, it is released at the Reading Eagle, and that is where I, I try to get a lot of my stuff from. But obviously, whoever's in charge of their archives, they get rid of shit within about three years. <laughs> because I can't tell you how many times I would click a link, uh, Air 404. Yep. Can't find. Yep. <laughs> but I was able to use the Wayback Machine. If y'all don't know about that, all you have to do is go Google Wayback Machine. It's an actual website. Then you type in the website that you're looking for, and it'll they have archived. So oh, I was well, I had no idea. You have to be it's not user friendly now. You gotta know exactly what you're looking for and you gotta zoom in to like year two thousand eight and then it'll show you like a calendar and then it'll say this name, like if you typed in, say Gary's name, it would have appeared on May eighth, two thousand nine. So you gotta know and then you click it and it'll give you like a cached file. And so that's how I, I was able to see some of these. But yeah, man, if it without the Wayback Machine and Brain Scratch, this episode would be naught. <laughs> I'm gonna have to use that. I've never known about either one of those. It's pretty cool, pretty pretty cool. All right, so now we're on uh, May eighth, two thousand nine, in the Philadelphia Daily News. There was a little bitty, I mean, two sentence blurb, and it said, "Quote: Gary Redner Memorial Five K Race and Fun Walk is advertised for June seventh, two thousand nine, and it will be held at Greens Park in Reading, Pennsylvania." And by June 9th of 2009, the reward for information that leads to the arrest of the murderer is increased to $111,000. That is crazy to me. Within a year, you've got over a $100,000 reward. And nobody's saying anything. And nobody bit. No. I'd rat you out for a hundred thousand, I'd say, yeah, it was him. I saw him do it. I got video evidence. <laughs> I'd make up some shit. <laughs> he told me he did it. He told me. He did it. <laughs> oh man! 
Well, unfortunately, <laughs> it would be four years before I could find anything out there and there was anything on the intranets about Gary's case. But it is again mentioned in the media. And on March 8th of 2013, the five-year anniversary of his murder, WFMZ, Channel 69 News. <laughs> oh, God. Dude, when I read that, I was like, we can't make this shit up. <laughs> you know, if you could just, I, how do they say, like if it was me, Arlo, reporting WFMZ, 69 News. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. How do you take yourself serious? I can't do it. Could you imagine that being your first job coming out of broadcast school? Where you? Hey, man, where are you working? Oh, man, they got me on the nude desk over at 69 News up there in Pennsylvania. <laughs> <laughs> You're making that shit up. <laughs> oh, man. But anyway... So we've got that one. I'm going to giggle every time I reference them, so y'all just bear with us. So <laughs> Channel 69 <laughs> interviews district attorney, and yes, they did. They abbreviated it DA. So we got Channel 69 interviewing the DA, John Adams, and he tells the reporter that police are still receiving tips on the murder of Gary Redner, and the case is, quote, very much active. The last time he was seen alive was inside Ganley's Pub and Delhi on Brownsville Road. That night was a very stormy evening. Now, that's our first new nugget of information. We don't know, we don't know anything except poor Gary was found beaten to death in his neighbor's driveway. And then a yeah. year, almost a year later, they kind of hint at the fact that they're looking for people that may have been injured, which would lead you to believe, like you said, Gary got some licks in. Yeah. Then the district attorney kind of says, hey, it was kind of stormy that night. Yeah. So that article goes on to detail how Gary drove to and from the pub alone that evening. And one would assume he parked in his own driveway, but somehow his body is found in his neighbor's driveway and his death is by blunt force trauma. Wow. So... The question is, and I, when I first started researching, I was like, and I pulled up the Google map, I'm like, dude, that's a quarter of a mile. I mean, it's yeah. half a mile from my house to a gas station right now, and I've done it. I've walked a mile, yeah. you know, just to get some exercise. I wouldn't do it again. Yeah. But half that distance, if you half the distance that I have to walk right now, and there's a pub with air conditioner and liquor, drinks, I'm walking every day. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Take my keys. <laughs> yes, sir. <laughs> so that's what I was thinking. I was thinking that maybe he had gone to the pub and he left around seven, and then maybe he, you know, flipped somebody off or you know, on his walk home. But when they dropped this this little nugget here that he actually drove, and then they say it was stormy, it kind of makes sense why he would drive. More specifically, they let go that not only was he found beaten to death in his neighbor's driveway, but. He had actually made it to his neighbor's garage door where authorities would find Gary's prints. Now, it is believed that Gary never made it into his home before being attacked, and the news story would go on to detail how billboards are posted throughout Berks County and state police have binders upon binders upon binders with nearly 1,200 pages of details pertaining to this case. And when I tell y'all they're keeping it quiet, they're keeping it quiet. 
I mean, there's no hardly any information short of newspaper articles that I could find. I know yeah. I've kind of overstated that, but I can't state it enough. This, you know, there's just you never no, find cases like this when you can't find anything. Yeah, that's the anomaly. Yeah. Like you said, if you type his name in, you get the obituary, which is regurgitated on the reward site. You get a picture of a billboard. You get a couple of people on Web Sleuth saying, I was just in a Redner's market, and they still have the reward posters up. Yeah. It's crazy, man. It is. It is. I've never seen anything so just, well, there's nothing. There's absolutely nothing. You would think he was a spook. Yeah. I mean, you honest to God would think he was a spy and they're trying, or he was in Witsec, or they just want this case yeah. to go away. Yeah. Unless the only thing that makes me think is that they, they're the, who they think is the suspect is somebody probably high profile with a lot of money that could really take this thing into uh, litigation. So right. I think that may be part of why they're keeping everything close to their chest and maybe they don't have enough evidence to convict him. You make a great point, and and that's one thing that I've learned in the in the years that we've been doing this. There's a lot of cases that we cover. If you could get the authorities or the investigators to talk unofficially, they'll tell you, "Hey, look, we know who it is. We just can't prove it, yeah. and we're not about to screw yeah. this up." Yeah. So, but in that same article, um, Lieutenant Raymond Guth of the Pennsylvania State Police explained that, quote, search warrants and autopsy reports remain sealed and investigators have worked with three separate forensic pathologists. This has led us to Maryland, New Jersey, and North Carolina, but all information so far has been a dead end. He would go on to state, investigators need more information and believe that someone out there knows something and that there is now a 120000 dollar cash reward for information leading to the arrest of Gary Redner's murderer. I mean, you've, yeah, it, it, I I just don't, I, hopefully y'all are, you, you, you're getting what I'm laying down people because (laughs) you got 1200 pages of evidence pertaining to a case. Yeah. I have a half a sheet of official explanation that I've typed from investigators They've worked with three separate forensic pathologists, and they've gone to three different states other than Pennsylvania, and there's a $120,000 cash reward. It smells fishy. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, it damn sure does. And one of the things I did read online was uh, somebody, and it was, of course, just another opinion. They think that what could have happened, and because he pulled in, he, he noticed somebody following him when he left the bar, and he noticed they were following him and instead of pulling into his driveway he pulled into his neighbors that, that makes was a lot one of, sense. of the theories i read but you look at it this way and it's like well, it's only half a mile from home it take you a minute to realize somebody's following you longer than a quarter mile yeah and the thing that what's crazy is that road's pretty straight i think it's got a little rise and then at the top if you're looking from the pub and you look towards his house the Google Maps Street View, there's a little rise, and I think at the top of that rise from the pub is actually his driveway. And, yeah, he does have a neighbor, but the way that that – it's not like a neighborhood. They, they're they yeah. neighbors, but it, I would probably estimate it's probably 50 yards or less between houses. I see. Yeah. So, again, it's kind of rural. So, like you said, though, you made a great point. How are you going to know somebody's following you? 
quarter of a mile unless they pull out behind you when you pulled out yep. and then they pull into your driveway. Yeah. But again, it's all all conjecture because we don't know yep. shit. And don't nobody know shit. <laughs> Ain't nobody talking about shit either. <laughs> well, the reward for information leading to an arrest would swell to over $125,000 by September 4th, 2015. Hamid B. Chaudhry who owns two Dairy Queens in Exeter and Kenhorst, pledged an additional $5,000. Mr. Chaudhry told the press, the Reading, uh, Reading Eagle newspaper, that, quote, he was a customer and a friend. He would often chat when he stopped by, and the Redna family are good people. We've got to keep it fresh in people's minds. The Redner family has been a family involved in the community forever. This is the least the community can do for them, end quote. Wow. Man, stand-up guy. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing, you know, going back to our, you know, the gambling debt or the drinking, he's a drug addict, none of that. I mean, yeah, you know, I, you don't fly with eagles if you're running around with turkeys. And it seems that's like right. this old boy was flying with eagles. So, yeah. Now, Barry E. Rohrbach, founder and president of Crime Alert, which is huge up there. It's kind of like Crime Stoppers for us down here. But Crime Alert up there said new pledges like Mr. Chandry's will hopefully lead someone to come forth with information that finally cracks the Redner case. Unfortunately, on April 6, 2017, the Morning Call newspaper out of Allentown, Pennsylvania, reported that the patriarch Earl Redner, age 92, passed away, never knowing what exactly happened to his son. Mm. That's a tough one. But again, yeah. that's all. It They didn't use his death to re- Op, like republicize all the facts that they knew. It's just a one little blurb. Earl Redner, founder yeah. of Redner's Markets, passes away at ninety-two. So odd, man. But anyway, yeah, it is. So we fast forward again. Now we're up to March ninth of twenty eighteen, and it marks the ten-year anniversary of Gary's death. Eric Schaefer is now the lead investigator with the Pennsylvania State Police, and he would tell Channel sixty-nine that the investigation. <laughs> has led them to believe Redner may have known his killer and that the person may not have meant to kill him. Quote, my personal belief is that there are people out there who know what happened that night and are just withholding information, end quote. So now 10 years later, it goes back to what you were saying. Sounds like they know they just can't, they don't have any hard evidence. Yeah. And that could be what we're looking at here. It, you're right. I, and the more I... I read and researched this. I think that's more, and we'll get to that when we close, but uh, March 7th, we go forward another year. March 7th, 2019, the Reading Eagle newspaper has an article with the headline, 11 years later, the search for Gary Redner's killer continues. Now, the article kind of pushes back at authorities for suggesting for over a decade that solving Gary's murder would center around a witness who might have no connection to Gary or the killer would have to make a confession. The article goes on to state, quote, now this is a long one, so bear with me, quote, by casting such a wide net, at least publicly, investigators made it seem as if they were uncertain if Redner was fatally beaten to death by a cold-blooded killer or by someone whose anger got the better of them. It's been 11 years, and a reward of $125,000 has failed to produce a credible witness. Eric Schaefer is quoted in the article, Quote, a careful examination of the events that night and the physical evidence strongly suggests that Redner knew his killer. It is unlikely the killer alone holds the secret to what happened in the few minutes between Redner leaving the pub and arriving at his home. 
I think there are people in the area who are withholding information, and I think it is just a small number of people who probably know what happened, whether that is two, three, or four people, I do not know, end quote. So now we've gone from nothing to there may be as many as four people involved in the beating death of this man. That's insane. Hey, well, he got one of them. <laughs> yes, he did. Like Wyatt Earp says in Tombstone, they may get me in a rush, not before I make your head a canoe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <that's right. laughs> oh, poor old Ike Clanton probably sold his jewels that day. <laughs> oh, man. So the article goes on and it elaborates on the stormy night and... That's, you know, we just had that one little two-word thing out there. It was, Stormy was an understatement. There were people losing power in that town, in that county that night. I want to say that back, I think 700 people in that county lost power. So this was not just a stormy night. This was a, oh, wow. they had a spring thunderstorm come rolling through, and it was a doozy. Yeah. So Schaefer states in the article that it took Gary about 25 seconds to drive to the bar and then another 25 seconds to get back home when he left at 7 p.m. Quote, it is highly unlikely that a random person would be lying in wait and attack and rob Redner as he arrives home. I don't think the perpetrator wanted to kill Gary. I don't know that was the necessary intention. I don't think the perpetrator wanted to draw any unnecessary attention to the situation. Again, it was a beating, an episode of sudden anger, but I don't know that was the necessary intention. I also don't think the person involved was on his property with the intention of killing Gary. I think we have to be open to the idea it was a physical altercation and it could have gotten out of hand, end quote. So he's really putting out a lot of personal opinion but he's kind of sprinkling it with a little bit of fact in there. Kind of like you yeah. said, we know it was, he was beat to death, but we also kind of now know that Gary just didn't sit there and was a punching bag. Yeah. And they don't think it was a robbery. Like we said, heck, it's 25 seconds. Yeah. I mean, Schaefer states that the physical altercation along with the physical ev- evidence clearly led from Gary's property to the neighbor's property where Gary was found. He goes on to state that there have been a tremendous amount of forensic lab work done in Gary's case and unfortunately appears that evidence shows that Gary succumbed to his injuries, unfortunately, hours after he was initially beaten. Mm. So while he may have been unconscious, he was not clinically dead. He unfortunately laid in that neighbor's driveway and passed Until away. He expired. Yeah. Jeez. It's a hell of a way to go, man. Yeah, it is. Now, one interesting thing that is brought up by Schaefer is that Gary was, quote, now this one's a doozy, and this one kind of made me take pause, quote, an outgoing regular guy who was mostly well-liked. That's the first time you hear those two words go together, mostly well-liked. He goes on to say that part of Gary's personality was that he liked to joke around, quote, something that was not appreciated by everyone, end quote. Oh. Yeah. Huh. That that is the first negative thing I've heard about this guy. And And that's at the tail end of my research. That those two sentences in that one article. 
mostly well-liked. So was he one of those practical jokers you just pissed you off and then you found it funny? So I, it's just crazy, man. But anyway, so towards the end yeah, of the yeah. article in the Reading Eagle, they try giving a profile of the would-be killer. So here we go. This is their profile mixed with some of Schaefer's thinking. And remember, Schaefer is the lead investigator. So, quote, Redner's killer was probably someone who had difficulty controlling his or her anger. I would say he is. This would be a person physically capable of inflicting a severe beating on an able-bodied middle-aged man. Schaefer agrees with the reporter by stating, quote, making an arrest will ultimately hinge on breaking down the wall of silence among a tight group. I think we are down to, we know who Gary was with, we know where he was, and we know he went right home from the bar. In those moments, something happened. So whoever was there, if it was multiple people, they have a reason for not coming forward, and those reasons must be stronger than $125,000. It's crazy, yep. I'm going to tell you something. Two people can keep a secret if one of them's dead. That's right. That's right. <laughs> and $125,000 solves a lot of problems. Damn sure does. <laughs> Might pay for your ass to get a freak out of jail. Oh, I was there, but I didn't touch him. He beat the shit out of that poor guy. <laughs> <laughs> and he yeah. told me he was going to kill me if I said something. <laughs> Hell yeah. That's... Yep. Hell, just pick somebody that's already dead. Yeah. What a... <laughs> Pick the leather man we did. What are they going to find? Coffin nails? <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> so now let's get into the rumors that Ed's kind of sprinkled in with us. We got some more in there. Uh, Reddit is a sea of sometimes great, sometimes shit. But what that's I love true. what I love to do is I love to give them their shout-outs, their due diligence. So I'm going to use the <laughs> usernames. So Sig3Net kind of... That's kind of okay. I mean, it's kind of funny, but yeah, he posted a comment on one of the articles from the Reading Eagle and said, quote, I'm thinking violent carjack gone wrong. Word on the street before he was killed was that Gary was an alcoholic and a womanizer. Probably messed with a cop's wife. They protect their own, hence why no one has been apprehended, end quote. Now, poor Sig 3 Net got crucified on that because... In the following comments, they told him that it wouldn't make sense if it was one of their own for them to keep dropping those little nuggets out there and that reward to keep yeah. going up. Now, it does True. lead you, like you said, that that person may be high profile. So yeah. they may not be locally tied, but it may be that they are tied to another local municipality. Yep. This is a good one. User Avi's Daddy <laughs> posted... Quote, I live about 10 minutes from where this happened. I would say probably once or twice a year, the Reading Eagle will run a story on it. It rarely offers any new information of significance. I definitely say it was probably a professional hit. A lot of extremely wealthy people leave some pissed off people in their wake, but who knows? That is just a guess. There really never was many details released about the investigation. End quote. Really? A professional hit? When's the last time you yeah. saw a professional beat the shit out of somebody and then in, they've hurt themselves in the process? Yeah, how many professional hitmen go out and get their ass whooped? <laughs> hey, call back. I don't think I'm doing this right. I can't see on my left eye. <laughs> yeah, I took an L on this one, Lenny. I ain't getting him. <laughs> you some bitches, you didn't say you used to box and play drums for Springsteen. <laughs> some bitch got quick hands. He beat my nose off. 
<laughs> he hit me with three licks. If I hadn't known what I was doing, he'd have killed me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Some of these people, man. Y'all, type, interesting. type your responses out. Walk away. Come back and reread them. <laughs> yeah. Oh, say so, so, so. This is the one that I love right here. This username, he is on the Mount Rushmore username. Ah, she queefed. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, he spelt it out phonetically. A h h s h e q u e e f e d. Ah, she queefed. <laughs> That's a great username. Maybe the best I've heard on Reddit. I'm telling you, Mount Rushmore, man. He's up there. <laughs> so he posted, or she posted, I'm hoping it's a he, but anyway. Quote, some rumors I heard around the time that it happened that were never released are that, one, it appeared that he was made to suffer, as in broken ankles, smashed up knees, broken fingers, etc. A friend from the area claims to have been told this by a cop familiar with the case. Again, just something I heard that was never officially released. Two, his company was in the process of possibly opening up supermarkets in part of Jersey, and the local mob was none too happy about it. Once again, just a rumor, but it plays into the organized crime theories. Three, multiple theories that he was messing around with the wrong guy's wife. So now we've got another incident of that. And it should be noted that it's been reported for a few years now that the investigations has included multiple trips to investigate out of state, specifically down south. Perhaps a paid hit. We kind of shot holes in that. Yeah. So it is, if that's true about if he was made to suffer and he did have broken kneecaps and fingers, then that would lead you more to organized crime. But again, you would want that detail out in the public. You would leak. I feel like the mob would want that leak to the press yeah especially channel 69 news you know they'd be right there i don't want any story i have on channel 69 news (laughs) (laughs) but i mean we all know those news stations well an unconfirmed rumor about the source sir says that he was found you know you never heard that so while that does make sense if we play the mob angle you're looking at the mob wants people to know hey we fucked him up yeah, and we're still around. Yeah, they're still know? around. They're still around. People that said the mob's dead lost their damn minds. But anyway, so now oh, we yeah. get to a user throw away fish fingers. <laughs> <laughs> he states, quote, I don't think he was killed in front of the neighbor's house. Well, no shit. I've already got that one figured out. At least if he was beaten to death, I don't think it was in front of the neighbor's house. Usually a one-person tends to be loud when they fight, either from bravado or from surprise or attempting to attract attention. Well, I mean, he's just stating the obvious. They know that he was attacked in his driveway, and he probably either A, fled to his neighbors trying to get away, or that's basically where the fight ensued and took it to. He goes on to say, the most plausible explanation to me, absent any evidence, is a hit and run. Now, that's something that I had not considered. I can see a person who hit or ran over him doing so right by the neighbors, then speeding off after a freakout. It's quick, and Redner doesn't even have time to cry out in surprise. Once the person in the car is gone, Redner crawls to the closest house for help. It doesn't quite explain how his knees, ankles, and fingers were broken, though that's not officially released, and comes from, quote, someone who knows someone who knows a cop. 
So mm-hmm. I sort of take that with a grain of salt. But if yeah. I did give it any weight, maybe the person who ran over him did so multiple times. It's unusual and might be indicative of a hit, but it could also be explained by someone just not thinking rationally. They hit yeah. Redner and start to drive over him. Then they realize what they've done. They stop and back up, accidentally running over him again. Then realizing they just ran over him twice, they freak out and take off out of the scene, and they run over him a third time in a oh shit, oh shit, oh shit, oh shit moment. That Now, I like that theory, but is there any, and we again, this is all conjecture because we don't know what the police are sitting on. Yep. Is it a situation to where he was talking to some guys, he got out at his mailbox to get his mail? Could be. And then they wasn't paying attention. There was a couple of people in that car, and they accidentally run over him. Yeah. I mean, that's that probably out of all the theories that I've read, that's probably the one that makes the most sense to me. I'm not sure. Again, you know, without us having access to actual facts, we can't really yeah. say. Now, we've got a couple of other hypotheses here, and then we'll wrap this puppy up. We got user him... Himiscus. Okay, we'll go with that. Quote, I live in Pennsylvania, and the rumor I've heard since it happened is that Gary had a wicked gambling addiction. From what I understand, he owed people money, and they beat him without intending to kill him, though when he died, nobody wanted to fess up. You're not going to beat him so bad that there's a chance he dies. We've kind of exhausted that angle. You know, if you owe me something, I'm going to break a foot. I'm going to break a couple of fingers. You're going to fall down some stairs. Yeah. And so, what, what was this guy's debt so bad he couldn't pay it? The guy had a shit ton of money. Yeah, I mean, he he's a <clears throat> multimillionaire over and over and over and over. I mean, heck, he's, oh, basic, yeah. he's basically, you know, second in command. So it's not like he was hurting for money or couldn't get his hands on yeah. money. And from what it sounds like, his family would have helped him out or there would have been yeah. rumors of him having a bad gambling addiction. Yep. Now we flip over to Web Sleuths, and there's only one page on Web Sleuths, and this kind of puts some concrete on the fact that this is a very low-level, not-covered-often case. And on Web Sleuth, Anthony Friel posted on January 2nd of 2019, quote, I am from near Gary Redner's home in Pennsylvania. Every time I shop at the local Redner's market, I stand in the checkout line, and I see the reward poster for information leading to the identity of his killer. These posters have been up for so long that I imagine many walk right by them without noticing anymore. In recent years, I find this case on my mind more and more than it has been since it happened. To be honest, it is the reason I joined Web Sleuths. When I saw that no one had much engagement in the case other than what I'd gleaned from the media, my hope of tracking down more information kind of fizzled out. Maybe my curiosity was enhanced by knowing several Redner's Market employees at the time of Gary's murder. Many were questioned by investigators, mostly standard questions to eliminate them as suspects. The police had no small job canvassing Gary's numerous employees, business associates, and social contacts. But one young woman I met through a professional interaction in 2008 sticks with me. She was questioned a bit more intensely than the others I'd heard of. What made her stand out to me was the fact that she and her boyfriend were investigated as, quote, possible suspects, and had their home searched, even had a baseball bat confiscated by police. 
They were both former employees of the Redner's Markets locations where Gary had his office. Apparently, they ran their mouths about him and raised suspicion. She claimed they were cleared pretty quickly, and that was that. I don't know if my acquaintance with her may have intensified my interest in the case or if it is the fact that it remains unsolved after all this time that bothers me. But part of me still feels drawn to the idea of looking into this. The fact that Gary's murder remains unsolved after all these years, despite over a $125,000 reward, is just tragic for the family and the community. Knowing what I know about rural Berks County, Pennsylvania, and the circumstances of this case, I can't escape the feeling that somebody nearby knows something, and that something is worth more than $125,000. And that's the last thing I could find that was new. So, And that was 2019. Wow. And it's all conjecture, man. They're not least, you know, it's been, like I said, it's going to be 15 years this March that he will have passed away. It's time to let some things out that may help solve this case without compromising yeah. a conviction. And Absolutely. I, you know, it, it, we, we play this cat and mouse game with authorities and the press all the time. You know, give us something that we can put out there without compromising a prosecutorial docket. But anyway, so questions and theories that I had during my research, and I'm sure, you know, some of the people have some of the same questions. So there's a couple of bullet points I wanted to hit, and I kind of wrote these down in kind of the order I was finding research. So we may have stated these before, but just bear with me. Uh, With the information we have so far, either no one at his local bar saw him leave with someone or Gary arrived home and was attacked as he was getting out of his vehicle. That would explain there was a white van theory mentioned in one of the articles. Mm -hmm. I think there was a, it was like that little 5K thing. It was a a news blurb. It said, uh, police are on the lookout for a white van that was seen in the area. Please contact police if you have any. I mean, just one little sentence. Then, you, you know, you would think that since he lived in a nicer area that whoever attacked him did not just park in his driveway and yeah. wait, on for him, wait on him to come home. But we're talking about a 25-second quarter-mile drive. So, again, with the change from not knowing who his killer was to possibly knowing his killer, does that mean that the investigators have some type of evidence from Gary's car that ties to a particular person or persons? Yeah. And it, it's it's crazy that we've we've you know stayed on that thing that we're talking twenty five seconds one way, so fifty seconds total in a car could hold the keys to solving this murder case. Yeah. And then you've got the investigator stating that it might be two people, it might be three people, it might be four people. Does this mean yeah. that there was a vehicle at Gary's house and that a person rode with Gary to the pub, or does this mean that? he's going to give the guy a ride and then the white van's back into play. I don't, I, yeah. Again, There's, yeah, it's crazy, man. It's, it's insane. I've never seen a case like this. What I now, this is the biggest question I had. Was Gary a creature of habit? Did he go to that pub nightly? Did he go every Saturday night? Did he go to every Saturday at two o'clock to have lunch and have a couple of drinks? Was he there every Thursday for whatever night? Was he there for trivia nights on Mondays? You you see what I'm saying? Yeah. I would see someone, oh, that's that's the Redner guy. He's the vice president of Redner. I bet he's loaded. I could see some drunk dumbass. Well, he's in here every Wednesday night because of yeah. 
But then I, I shoot holes in my own theory with that. They didn't try to get in his house. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, yeah. is it monetarily motivated or not? <laughs> it just makes no damn sense. No matter what you look at, any opinions, it just, I've never seen anything like it that just leaves you without any fucking answers. No. And the last thing I wanted to hit on was supposedly the mob is deep in the supermarket chains in New Jersey. So competition that was moving in may have raised some eyebrows. Also, if Redner's is not unionized in Pennsylvania, then the mob angle eh, gets a little bit more plausible. Yep. Damn sure does. So if you know anything that can help police catch Gary Redner's killer, you can call Crime Alert with your anonymous tip at 877-373-9913. Like we've said many times, there is a cash reward of up to $125,000 that is being offered for information that leads to an arrest. If you can't remember that, ladies and gentlemen, just call the Pennsylvania State Police and tell them something. <laughs> Say something. something. I'll make I'll make a $25,000 tier for just for you, and you donate part of that reward money. <laughs> But man, uh, this is a a conundrum in a conundrum in a riddle. Like I said, Damn you know, sure there's a couple of cases we find every once in a while where, man, I like that theory. That makes a lot of sense. And then you you take a breath and you're like, well, no, dumbass, it can't be that because if it was, it would have been this. <laughs> <laughs> I can't tell you how many times I did that on this case. I'm like, man, that makes sense. Yeah, that makes sense. And then you're yeah. like. Well, hell no, it don't, because then how are you going to explain this? (laughs) These are the conversations that are in this wicked head of mine. Well, it just, it it makes you think when there's no answers, and it's probably what the police run into. Man, we don't fucking know. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, you're probably right. I think, you, you know, we've got two camps here. You either believe that the police really don't have a fucking clue. Or you believe they know exactly who the hell did it. They just don't have that one piece of evidence to tie them to it. They either have all the clues or I ain't got a one fucking clue. (laughs) That's right. (laughs) They either sitting on four draw fours (laughs) and a reverse. (laughs) Or or they're holding about 75 different cards. I've I've never seen anything like it. Usually police will slowly let out a few leads and a little bit of information. That way the public has something to go on, but just nothing this time. And I didn't look into it. It's a lot of times when I verbalize my notes, what would be interesting would be is how, what's the crime rate up there? Is it, you know, is this a one-off kind of situation or, you know, I know in our area crime has gone up, but we stay away from those sides yeah. of towns. But the little area that yeah. it looked like he was in didn't seem that, like you never saw that in the details of the articles or Channel 69 News didn't report it. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, this is the part where I give my theories, but I really, I like a bunch of them. I like, I like to yeah. push them all together. And what I will say this is, that, and I, I, I do think this after reading and watching some of these news articles, is that I'm in the camp of they know who did it. They just can't get the evidence they need for a conviction. Yeah. 
And it may tie along with what you said at the beginning. The person may be high profile or come from money. So defense wouldn't be an option. So they want a a slam dunk case. Yep. They don't want a case. It seems like to me, they don't want a Casey Anthony where they just rush it and get screwed. Yeah. She's paying for her legal fees. Other ways. Yeah, well, this is true. <laughs> but I will say this one last time. All hell. Ah, she queefed. <laughs> great username. It's, great. it's the greatest name I've come across. Well, man, I can't thank you enough for hopping in here. Uh, this is usually where. I appreciate you having me, man. This is usually where we give recommendations. You hit me up with one, so I'll let you, the underground, I'll let you recommend that one, and then I'll give my, y'all want to jump into a deep rabbit hole, listen to Ed right here. Oh, my God. So, what is called Weather Underground? Now, this was a group of terrorists, and they were domestic terrorists here in the United States that actually committed terrorist attacks. The only people... Who ever saw time for their crimes were the people who tried to investigate them. They, once they were done being terrorists, these people went back to their normal lives, whatever that may be, and nothing ever happened. And it's called Weather Underground. And I actually just discovered it this week, and it has absolutely blown my mind. It is crazy. I jumped down that rabbit hole about three years ago and literally listened to, absorbed everything I could. And yes, there, ladies and gentlemen, there is an app out there called Weather Underground. That's not what we're talking about. <laughs> this is an honest-to-God, scratch-your-head kind of moment. Maybe a case that we hit here, it kind of reminds me of our the octopus that we did episode that was oh, a two-part. Oh, yes, with um, the, uh, uh, what was his name? He was killed. What was the guy's name? Hold, please. I have to go back in the archives. <laughs> He's got beautiful blonde hair. Danny Casalero. Casalero. That was it. Yep, man. Yep. Uh, and I actually just listened to those episodes from y'all on Sunday while I was working outside. My memory really is shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it does. That Weather Underground has a lot of similarities to the octopus and the Danny Casalero case. But it's yes, crazy. It, it is crazy, man. So... My recommendation is going to be, it's kind of been solved, it's kind of not been solved. Again, we may cover it, but it is the Heinz Family Murders, H-E-I-N-Z-E. Now, supposedly they've arrested someone, but a lot of theories out there is that this was a coerced confession. Again, we will probably cover this in the future, but if you are out there, you're bored at work, like some of us are sometimes, and you need something to Google, (laughs) When the coffee hits the wrong way, type in <laughs> H-E-I-N-Z-E, just like Heinz ketchup, but it's Heinz Family Murders. Alrighty. All right, man. Well, Ed, I can't thank you enough, man. I hope you enjoyed yourself. Arlo, I sure did. And I'm tell you, I'm a before I'm a on this damn show, I'm a listener. <laughs> well, I appreciate folks, it. Y'all got a hell of a pod, man. I truly have enjoyed listening to it. Well, I appreciate you, man. I really do. Y'all keep showing heaters some love out there. Keep praying for the people in uh, eastern Kentucky suffering from the flash floods. And if you don't have anything else, brother, 
Deuces. I don't, brother. Thank you, sir.